Welcome to the Breaking Stars Podcast, where we give you an inside view into the tech world and expose you to programs that teach you the skills to break into tech. A wise man once said, the best startups are good ideas that look like bad ideas. And today we're going to talk about how the Firehose Project was born from a quote unquote stupid hackathon idea or so people thought. For those of you that don't know, the Firehose Project is an online learning platform that provides one-on-one mentorship, real-world projects, and career support that works around your busy schedule. Um, The program is so robust that it's used not only by people all over the world, including refugees, but also people from the disabled community like blind engineers that listen to code at 4x speed. Yes, I was surprised when I heard that myself, and I'll say it again. Blind engineers that learn through their programs and listen to their code to detect bugs at 4x speed. So that stupid hackathon idea ended up being something that's really important and actually very relevant for people across campuses like Harvard, Carnegie Mellon, Brown University, and more. And we're going to cover how this project was born, but also things like apprenticeships and other resources that you can access through breakingstars.com slash resources. So you can get uh, exposed to, to exclusive programming from this program, but also sales boot camps and SSP and all kinds of things like that. So um, if you haven't liked our Facebook page yet, like it. If you haven't told people to join our community, do it. If you haven't given us feedback and left a review, what are you waiting for? Please do that as soon as you can. And I'm glad that um, you all are so active as we are reaching the end of the year. Um, and, and please continue to tell more people about us so we can continue to reach thousands all over the world and in their journeys to, to break into tech. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies, Archer and Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars Podcast. Archer, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so it's uh, Friday, it's 8 a.m. and we have another episode we're recording. So today we're actually recording a really cool co-working space called Runway that's inside the Twitter building on Market Street. And we have an amazing guest and we're really excited to hear more about his story. So Timo, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, so today we chat with Marco Morawek and he's the CEO and founder of Firehouse Project. We actually got introduced to Marco through Angelo and... For those of you who don't know, Angelo is our in-house growth hacker. He's only 19, I think turning 20, but he knows how to hustle. And you guys might have seen him on one of our Facebook Live videos. So he met Marco at the Badass Founder and Marketers event in SF, which is probably the biggest growth hacking event in San Francisco. Yeah, shout out Josh. Yeah, shout out Josh. Shout out to Josh. And just for those of you who don't know about Firehose Project, they're actually an online coding school that helped over a thousand people learn how to code remotely and then become engineers. They also got a one million project, a one million grant from Tech Hire to help more people from underrepresented groups to gain tech skills. Marco originally was born in Germany. He worked as a product manager at Jana and a product manager at Flywire. And before that, he got his undergraduate degree and master's in public policy and management from University of Constance in Germany. Welcome, Marco. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And I know earlier in the pre-chat, you mentioned to us that you got your start. You came up with this idea for a firehouse at a hackathon. And Arthur Rubin and I, we actually were living in Atlanta and we went to Startup Weekend, which is also a hackathon. And that's how our like, desire to break into tech actually started. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you guys came up with the idea for a firehouse? Yeah, absolutely. So this is like back in summer of 2013 in Boston. We lived there and me and my co-founder were like working on ideas, trying to figure something out, doing like customer development, lots of work on the whiteboard. And there was this event that we both signed up for. And I was like, we had to pitch an idea there. We didn't know that. And we just weren't really ready to pitch anything. But we signed up for that event months ago and we paid $10 or something each. 
And when we walked up, Ben was like, yeah, we're just going to go there because there's some pizza. They said, you can only have pizza if you pitch an idea. <laughs> and we were just like, oh, man, now we need to pitch something. We literally had two minutes before it started. I turned to my co-founder, Ken, Ken Mazeka, who's probably somewhere around here coding. <laughs> He's like, what are we going to pitch? And I was like, well, it's just pitched out. We teach people how to build a web app in a single weekend. And he said, that is such a stupid idea. I don't know why you came up with that. And I was like, well, we're going to start right now. And I want a pizza. You want that pizza, right? I want that pizza, right? That was the driving force. That was the motivation. Did, I walked you into- pitch, did you ever pitch something like that before? I was at pitch events, but I've never pitched that idea. And I also just thought about it at that moment. That came from it because a lot of our friends always ask us, hey, can you build that idea? Can you help me out with building this app? I have something, you know, you guys can code. And I was like, yeah, we can't help everyone, right? And so that was kind of like maybe in the back of my mind. I think we all have that friend, uh, one or two friends who are just like, hey, I know you're in tech. Can you just build me an app? Exactly. (laughs) So when your mother calls, like, your tech, my computer is broken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have like this like really good business idea. We need to chat. Let's get on the call. You're like, <laughs> I get these texts a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> my friends. But that's good, right? That's like, yeah. we know that this is a skill that's There's in demand, demand and we feel yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. sounds like at this event, you didn't expect it, but it actually turned out that it was a good idea. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the way they did that, they split the room up in, in several groups. There were like 200 people or something in yeah. the room. And so I went there and like started pitching and I didn't know that much because it was literally right then and there. And I was going in and so like, okay, we're going to teach you how to build a web app in a single weekend. I think it's, I said, it's going to be a hundred dollars and we're going to do it in two weeks. And that's, it's going to be a full weekend from Friday evening to Sunday evening. And it's going to be awesome. That's literally all I said. <laughs> and then other people pitched ideas. And then once it was over, people, it was networking. People came up to me and was like, hey, do you have a website? And I was like, we're going to set up a website soon. I mean, again, this was like, I thought about this literally a half hour ago. And then they're like, here's my business card. Please email me so I can sign up. And when is it going to happen? And all that. And what are you really teaching? And I was like, I'm not sure. We're still figuring it out. And then I went to Ken and asked him, so what did you pitch? He's like, yeah, you're, you're a silly idea. I didn't know any, couldn't think of anything better on the spot. And I was like, so how did it go? And he's like, well, I got also 10 business cards or nine business cards here. I was yeah. like, oh, that, that's not a good job, right? And then he's like, yeah, uh, what did you say? And I was like, well, I said it's going to be in two weeks. And he's like, I told people it's in three weeks. I was like, okay, we got to clarify that. And then I was like, how much did you say it cost? Oh, a hundred bucks. I was like, me too. So good. Perfect. And the price were the same. <laughs> and then literally that evening, we went immediately back and started putting up a website, explaining a little bit about it, what we thought this could be, and put up a meetup page too, and emailed everyone. And then we were literally sitting there like, refresh, refresh, and nothing <laughs> happened, right? It's like now 10 p.m. And, um, yeah, 10 leads that you got from the hackathon. Yeah, 20, I think, so or 20, 19 20 or something. But they're yeah. all still at the after party yeah. in the bar partying, yeah. and we're yeah. like, why are they not signing up? Yeah. Like, so we were a little like naive there. Yeah. Basically, you know, next morning... Like, I think still nobody signed up and we're like, yeah. this is a bad idea or not. I thought it was so good. Like a little bit of a, a down moment. But then that afternoon, I believe our first person signed up. Wow. And I still remember Ken was like, we were talking about other things. And then like he refreshed the site and all of a sudden we saw like there were $100 in the bank account. And he was like falling out of the chair. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe this. And that was a person we immediately pulled out the business cards that we didn't talk to. Uh-huh. And so we're like, this is a stranger. We don't know yeah. that person. Oh, wow. And so um, then that uh, the next day, two more people signed up and then we had 25. That was our wow. max. We want to keep it short. Wow. Yeah. And then we had to figure out like total pre-sold the class, right? We're like, yeah. what are we really going to teach? Yeah. And we have teaching backgrounds. Ken taught a lot of coding classes and was leading engineering teams. And I was like doing a lot of web analytics and statistic classes, right? So that's like our background was there, but we had to figure out like, what are we going to teach in that class? So that, so. that was kind of like an in-person Kickstarter, right? Totally. Where like you guys kind of like pitched something that didn't exist yet. Yep. They gave you the pre-orders and then now you have to deliver it yep. now that they've signed up. And I remember when we were at the hackathon, it was at ATDC, right? Startup Weekend uh, with Jen Bonet. It was similar type of situations too, where we had to like pitch it and, and do it like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, and so, so what happened after that? What did you guys do with the class? So after that, we were like, had to come up, like all of a sudden we're running an event, right? So we needed a space. So we didn't have a space. So actually, like I told my team that a while back, what we always do here is with the team in the Fires Project is like flashbacks of how we started and the history. And we didn't have an event. So we just basically put like the equivalent of here in San Francisco is like we said, it's a Union Square or it's a Market Street. We didn't have any. <laughs> and so it's like, it's really strange because people email us. So where is it exactly? It was like Kendall Square. 
in Cambridge, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Google has their offices yeah. and everything. Like you, like the high street. Is exactly. It's yeah. like that's a place where where a lot of tech companies are. And then we're like emailed around, found a place, right? Where can we do this? Scrappy. Yeah, we didn't want to pay for that, right? So we had a friend of a friend who worked (laughs) in a co-working space and could smuggle us in on a Friday evening after the security (laughs) cards were gone. And I was like, oh my God, this is like so sketchy. But it worked, right? Uh And so it's like we had one access card. So people literally texted me, always went down with the elevator (laughs) and got them when they arrived to go up. And so the, the schedule was pretty crueling. It was like, Friday night, we thought installation night, get everyone set up with a professional web development environment on their machine. That took from, we thought, two hours easy. We took after midnight. Mm-hmm. There's still some people who had issues. So they came back on Saturday morning at 7. Yeah. And we solved those by, I think, 9 a.m. when the class started. So I didn't yeah. sleep a lot that night. Yeah. And then, like, we did it all Saturday from, I think, like, well, 7 to, like, 8 or 9 p.m. And then mm-hmm. Sunday again from, like, 9 a.m. and then up to i think at five people started falling asleep and we yeah. kind of wrapped it up and went to a bar and all had a few drinks yeah and that was our first weekend wow yeah and yeah. W- what did the people think afterwards so what happened is like so we built like kind of a pinterest clone yeah um and you know we i was exhausted like that was like so much teaching like yeah it's like i always had to be on in front of everyone yeah. if i'm not if it wasn't teaching i was running around troubleshooting yeah. people had typos and error messages yeah and so then I went to bed and then I think I woke up on Monday at like 2 p.m. or something, completely <laughs> exhausted. And I turned yeah. on my computer and people left the reviews on the meetup group, right? So nice. Five stars. This was so awesome. And yeah. they told us, you guys charge too little. And this is the best thing ever. I have a full app. I've never thought I would get there this fast. And we were like, whoa, this is cool. Yeah. Like, well, we got to do this again. Yeah. And so that's, a, yeah, that's what we heard. Like, that's right awesome. After. That's awesome. It felt so, really good. Yeah. So, and then, so like, as you were going through the feedback and thinking about it and iterating, they told you like, you know, you should, you know, increase the price. What, what other kind of feedback did they give you? And then, you know, how did the next few classes go? So they definitely said like the installation night, you kind of smoothen that out a little bit. <laughs> it's hard staying somewhere until midnight on a Friday uh-huh. and then coming back the next morning at nine and feeling fresh. We were like, ah, no shit. Makes sense. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so you right? listen to them. Yeah. We listen to them. I mean, there are a few other things of like what we could build and how we could change things up. Mm -hmm. Um, And we sent like, you know, it's all about customer feedback. And so we sent out surveys. Hey, what should we start doing, stop doing, continue doing? Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of good feedback that way. And then like we use that for our next class. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like in the pre-chat you mentioned that from this weekend, you went on to organize more of these events. And then you ended up teaching these events to Harvard Business School students, then you scaled it to a bunch of colleges in Boston. Yep. At what point did you realize that you wanted to do it full time and you wanted to start Firehouse Project so you can scale that? Like what was the story to even get into yeah. those colleges? Yeah. So the story was like the after that first weekend, three weeks later, we already set up the next one. We mm-hmm. doubled the price because that's what people told us. So I was mm-hmm. like, we got that filled up. And then in that event, I don't know how, but we had two people from Harvard Business School, which is down the street come and code with us. And I didn't yeah. even know. I didn't even notice that there were hbs.com email addresses. Yeah. And during the event, they came up to me and was like, hey, Marco, you know, I'd love to bring this to her business school. Can I introduce you next week to somebody there? And I was like in the middle of troubleshooting and teaching. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sounds great. Just email me later. Mm-hmm. Not even comprehending that this is a huge opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. And then I think on Tuesday, I got an email from somebody called Ming. Shout okay. out to Ming. Shout out um, to Ming. She was like emailing me and it's like she was the head of the education club at, at wow. our business school. And she's like, hey, I heard about this. I'd love to bring this over. Um, can we meet for coffee? Yeah. So next day we met for coffee and she was like, yeah, we have everything organized for you. We have a room. We have like awesome. the projector, everything. I was like, oh man, that was such a pain <laughs> getting that set up the yeah. first two times. And then and she was like, and I have an email list too of all our members. So it just gave me marketing copy and a link where people can sign up. And yeah. then we talked about Bryce, right? And I was like, okay, well, here's what we can charge. And they like actually gave us a scholarship for every student. Nice. So the students didn't have to pay that much. And I was yeah. like, that was really cool. And then I sent her that evening. I sent her the marketing copy. I went to bed. And next morning, I think the event was halfway filled up. And by the end of the, the day, it was full and the waiting list started <laughs> filling up. And I was like, whoa, this is different. Because before we were like waiting, refresh, refresh yeah. right? and collecting business cards. And I, yeah. I was like, oh, we have distribution. Yeah. yeah. And what, what kind of people would you say were interested in taking these classes, either at Harvard Business School or in the workshops that you've done prior to that? Gotcha. So 
it was a mix. Like at Harvard Business School, we got a lot of people who wanted to be, at first they were like, hey, I want to get more technical. I have my own idea. Mm -hmm. And then as we've done many of those, it was like a lot of people wanted to get into product management. I was like, hey, I need to have the technical mm -hmm. skills on top of like my business skills. And then at other schools, it was like people who actually went and taught, uh, like had a CS degree or were in a CS program. And they were like, I want to learn these real world skills and yeah. actually build something, not just learn the theory. Yeah. So we got a lot of that. So yeah. people yeah. with ideas, people who wanted to break into tech, yeah. right? And then people who had like, you know, actually a technical background, yeah. but wanted to upscale. Yeah. So it was a nice little mix. And yeah, good. when you had that thing, that first class sold out, you said there was a waiting list and you like created a whole market of it. Like what oh, yeah. happened there? This is a funny story that came out <laughs> in the reject. So what happened was like, this is Harvard Business School, right? Immediately, like when we sold out, we had a waiting list. We got emails going. I'm like, hey, is there a spot open? The first open spot. Please reserve that for me. And I was like, what is going on? We didn't have that problem before. Uh -huh. And so then what happens is like people emailed us and I was like, hey, I'm Johnny. And. I got this email, please see above, forwarded four times from Emma, <laughs> and I bought the ticket of her. So just so you know, I'm the one coming in her spot. And we got <laughs> multiple of those. And then I was like, what's going on? And so when the event started, I was asking, so here's a few people here who, who sent me these emails. And they're all like, yeah, there's a, a black market here going on, and we're trading your tickets. Like, That's hilarious. And I was like, did you guys <laughs> pay more for them? And they're like, this is a business school. What do you think? Exactly. Right? They looked at me like I'm an idiot. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so that was, that felt yeah, really that, good. That that's too, hilarious. Right? And then you scale that to a bunch of other different colleges. Like what other schools did you do this? Yeah. So then we went to like, so then we knew how to, I was like, we needed to find mm -hmm. more Mings, right? Yeah. So we went to like Carnegie Mellon, went to Brown University, Rhode Island School of Design. Um, there we actually ran it in their library where there were all these like taxidermy animals in there and it's like really interesting butterflies yeah. on the wall the nice. research facility. that was like a, gr a great event too yeah. but um yeah and then we went to we also did a few universities in hawaii it got really cold in boston nice. in the winter nice. so i was like okay. hey i used to live in hawaii so, <laughs> so were you doing this full time uh, at some point yeah at, at that point yeah we were like we we're like we quit our jobs and we we're like okay we're on to something here yeah so yeah then we flew out yeah. to hawaii did University so at, at what too. point did you, so you were doing a lot of these like in-person workshops. I know Firehouse today is, it's an online school. At what yep. point did you guys decide to make the transition? Kind of what drove your decisions for that? Gotcha. I think it was like people in the classes asked us, oh, is there more? Can I learn more? Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of people coming to us, really falling in love with code mm -hmm. and then go into other programs. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, the business person in me yeah. was like, okay. I'm stoked for you, but also yeah. like missed opportunity. And then yeah. they told us how the other programs went for them. So we yeah. had actually like this Intel, right? Yeah. So like, I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's like, that's good to know yeah. Yeah. that type of feedback. So it, it was like at the point, that's yeah. what, you, what your question And for our yeah. listeners, can you explain what Firehose Project does and how you guys are structured? Gotcha. So Firehose Project is like a 22-week online coding bootcamp. Mm -hmm or 44 weeks, depending which pace you choose. And it's like, the, our goal is to make online educational personal and smart. So what we have is an online learning platform that gives you a personalized mentor that trains you one-on-one. -on -one. And then we have a platform where you go through our lessons. And the lessons come in a way of, so we have a customized curriculum based on your performance in the program. You're going to get suggested the best content at the perfect moment for you. Wow. So if the three of us would all start at the same time, it might be that you get something suggested two days earlier because you're doing a lot better than me. Interesting. And so it's so like, that's personalized. And that's what we're doing. That's yeah. big. And so we've done that from, and I told you guys that during a pre-check too, during our weekends, we understood how people like comprehend complex mm -hmm. technical concepts. Yeah. And we started A-B testing in a classroom to make sure that we get that right. And we in incorporated that in the first version of Fire. Wow. Well. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. super cool. And we talk a lot about mentorship on the podcast. It sounds like you mentioned that there's a mentor assigned to every student. Correct. So is it the mentor that teaches the class or the mentor is just there to provide advice if someone gets stuck? So we have a, we call it coordinated support here. Mm -hmm. And so what we have is like three things come together. The ment I'll talk about the mentor in a moment. So, but the first thing, and that's a lot of people actually overlook that is our support forum, which mm -hmm. is staffed by our engineers. And that is like when you're coding and we go through a lesson or a challenge and you get stuck. We all had that. We all learned how to code. And it was like oftentimes a single typo can trip you up. I oh, remember yeah. my first programs, I had a missing end statement and well, four days and I still couldn't yeah. figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then I asked my engineering friend and he figured it out in 15 seconds. And I couldn't <laughs> believe it. 
So that was four days of wasted time for me, yeah. 15 seconds uh-huh. for him, right? Yeah. That would have been great asking him after hour one. Yeah. So what we have is like, you take a screenshot of the error message, you put it there, we help you out usually within 20 minutes, an hour and give you and give you like, hey, line 33, you need to add this. This yeah. is a spelling error. This is a typo. Something small that trips people up. Mm-hmm. So you want to avoid that you spin your wheels. That allows you when you have your mentorship sessions to come to that individualized one-on-one mentorship sessions and be error-free and deep dive into something that's hard for you. Yeah. Be it an algorithm, be it building additional feature on top of your, of your existing web applications. And that's how we're using mentorship yeah. sessions. So yeah. it sounds like you're capitalizing on the fact that in the 21st century, we have Hangouts, we have Zoom links, and you can do screen shares, you can do like video chats. So even though someone is remote and learning remotely, they have that very personal attention from a mentor who has years of experience. Yeah, totally. Can you tell us more a little bit about the students who decide to do it remotely? Because I know there is a coding schools in person. There's some schools, there's like courses you can take online from places like MIT. Can you explain the benefits and the trade-offs of doing something that's remote? Gotcha. So I think if you look at, there's several different ways we can look at that. Mm-hmm. And one is like, what is, how do a lot of developers work together with each other? Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at today's developer software engineering workforce, a huge part of them is remote. Yeah. So if you're at a company, you oftentimes work, you might have a few people that are in-house and you have a lot of people that work remote. Yeah. So if you're actually learning how to code remote, be on a team and do that and work with your mentor remotely, you have a huge advantage. Because you already know how to do that. And working remotely with somebody is, I'd say, twice, three times as hard as working 100%. next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so your communication skills need to be refined. How do you give feedback needs mm-hmm. to be refined. You learn that if you learn remote, you learn all these skills while actually learning how to code mm-hmm. on top of it. So that's something that we find that our students tell us a lot. It's like, hey, at my job, I'm actually like, you know. If I want to work remote, a lot of students start in person and they're like, hey, can I work from home a couple of times a week? Because yeah. other developers do it. They have zero problem transition and they yeah. also have zero problems working with senior engineers that might be in other places across the country or that might be offshore someplace else. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's a very interesting point. And the, the other thing that, you know, you brought up in the pre-chat and that Timor made me think about when he talks about the grant is not only are you serving the people that are taking your courses. You're not just serving underserved communities like from a race, gender, sexuality perspective, but also the disabled community. Like, can you talk a little bit or can you talk a little bit about yep. that? Absolutely. Because um, that was um, a unique thing that we haven't actually covered on the podcast. So, and we actually have some people on Twitter asking about it. So it'd be great awesome. to hear your yeah. thoughts. So we have several, like we call our social impact initiatives that we have at FIRO. So I can talk about them. So one is the tech hire, right? Mm-hmm. Where we get a million dollars of scholarship to actually help give away to people with disabilities, veterans, people from minority uni- minorities, and they're all based according to the scholarship and how we do that, working with our nonprofit partners. Mm-hmm. That's all for Los Angeles. Yeah. Another thing that we're doing is we partnered with an organization called Refugees on Rails, right? I'm originally wow. from Germany, so mm-hmm. we know what the refugee crisis is going on in Europe right now. Yeah. This is over a year ago, so I went um, and reached out to one of the co-founders of couchsurfing.org. Oh, wow. This is like the pre-thing to Airbnb, right? Yeah, Which is all yeah. free and stuff. And I used it way back when I was traveling. He was like doing the refugees on rails and he started that where it was like getting donations of laptops. They went straight into the refugee shelters and was like, who wants to get a job coding? Yeah. Is there anyone here? Like we want to want to help people find jobs. We want to get you out of these refugee shelters into yeah. jobs, into careers. And they were looking for an education partner. And I was like, we have the platform yeah. with all the curriculum on there. Yeah. We have mentor training materials. So yeah. If you have mentors, if you want to do in person, we can also give you mentors that are online. Yeah. It's up to you. And they choose to take our platform and integrate that into their program. And now we're running in like, I think they start in Berlin. We have one in Munich. We have one in Hamburg, one in Paris and one in Amsterdam. And it's growing. That's and awesome. so it's like these stories that we're hearing there is just like, yeah, I mean, I left my country because I was a political refugee. Then I ended in Germany. I was living in a refugee shelter. I found refugees on rails. I coded through the FIRES program. I got some mentorship. Now I have a job. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so wow. much. Right. There's like, I have chicken skin just telling you guys yeah. that story. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we definitely want to interview these folks. 
because we have uh, we're able to do remote interviews and would awesome. love to get a story of someone who came from Syria or lived in a refugee camp and now became a software engineer via all these resources that are presented to them. Absolutely. Right. But you also you mentioned something about a blind engineer as well. Yeah, we had that too. How does that work? So that's like something now is also mind blowing, right? So yeah. if you think about we got I got an email, our team got an email and I was like the students called Florian and he was like, "Hey, I'm blind, but I really like to code. How good is your program set up for this? And we were like, oh, okay, let me, let me take a yeah. look, right? And it was like, how good are we in terms of accessibility? What is, like, how good is our platform, right? Yeah. And I was like, have you signed up for, the, for the, our free prep course? And he's like, yeah, I went through. The video is easy enough to follow. I just listened in and, like, you described everything and there were subtitles on it. So I could, my program was able to read them. It was wow. transcribed and we're like, Oh, we've done the transcription for the videos actually because that we had several people who were hard of hearing or hearing impaired go yeah. through the program, right? And yeah. so they needed that. And we're like, oh, this also works for people who are blind. Yeah. And then the, all our written lessons worked really well as well. There's obviously yeah. some hitches where it's like, we're like, oh man, we're like, yeah. we, this image, we don't explain it all in yeah. our alt text properly. So we had to do some improvements, but we had him go through. And here's one thing that blew my mind, right? Yeah. So. A lot of people go through and it's hard, like learning how to code. You need to put passion in, you put the work yeah. in, and, but you can overcome that, right? But it's like, I was like, oh man, this is really challenging for me. And once he shared a video, how he learns how to code, he did yeah. a screen recording yeah. and his face as well. And he has a screen reader going through our lessons. Uh-huh. And he was basically like, here's how this works for me. He took one paragraph and I could see it and read it on the screen. Wow. And he was like, Here's how a screen reader works. And he pressed play and the thing read it to him, right? Mm-hmm. In order to, for the first line of code, what we're going to do is X, Y, Z. And he's like, so that's how you would listen to it. Here's how I listen to this. And it was basically going like this. And I was like, I couldn't understand anything. And like he, four times speed, right? Four or not five four times. times. It, was, it was like, maybe it was four or five <laughs> times, but only the first three letters of each word were spoken. And that's how we what? listened to it. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's where you... And then we looked like, how fast is this person going through our lessons? Like, way faster than anyone else. <laughs> He's like, so when I noticed that a code block comes, I slow it down and actually read the full code out. But anything else, I can, I can hear it. So when you heard like, it wasn't just like higher pitched voice, like, you know, when you put a reader, an audio book on, on 4X and it's like... <laughs> It was like, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't understand a single wow. word. And so he, the listening skills are on a whole nother level. I know, different, <laughs> out of this world. And so he shared that with all of our students, right? And then everyone is like, man, I thought like it was it's hard, hard for, for me you yeah. now, right? And it put things into perspective. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. So yeah. um, that was like something that was, that was really impressive to see. And then there were just things he's like submits, we do code reviews, right. And review yeah. everyone's code and application. And he submit an app and he was like, I can't see this, but how does it look? Right. Yeah. And we were like, okay, yeah. um, there's a few overlapping elements, move this over a little bit, change the border radius here, but you got it. Right. That's awesome. And so and it's like, it makes me think a lot about like, you know, we talk a lot about advantages, disadvantages, and then perceived advantages and perceived disadvantages. And a lot of times you might think about a blind engineer, and, you know, thinking about the visuals, but not realizing how strong those listening skills are. Absolutely. And even when they have the coding skills, and if you think about working remotely, those communication skills can also really come into play. And those listening skills can really come into play to notice things that you may not have noticed. So that's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, when I asked him for feedback, like, yeah. what can we improve? I got an email back that was so well documented <laughs> and like to the point. I was like, wow, thank you. This is perfect. And yeah. then we could incorporate that. In amazing. Our amazing. And so you grew up in Germany. Um, and so, you know, I know that apprenticeships are big in Germany and apprenticeships are starting to become in vogue, not just in the U.S., but in tech. A lot of people are talking about wanting to build yep. these. I think it'd be helpful to... um Talk about that and how you're thinking about apprenticeships, not just with Firehose Project, but also just given where you grew up and just comparing and contrasting the elements that you took from that system into what you're doing. Sure. So, I mean, in I grew up in Germany in a tiny little village, like 2,000 people, you know, every, every evening at 6 p.m., my mom gave me one German mark, a dollar, 50 cents, and said, take this can go to the farmer, get the milk straight from the cows. That's literally where I grew up. So imagine that. Like my friends, when I show them pictures, tell them like, God, it looks like there's gnomes and fairies flying around here. <laughs> That's why I was like red shingled houses. That's where I grew up. And then, so 
is like if you're thinking about Germany, how the system works, right? There's like the apprenticeship system. It's like there's different schooling systems, and I told you that in a pre-check in fourth grade, right? They be- yeah. they determine which school track you go on to. Are you allowed to go to university, or are you allowed to go like only to its apprenticeship? And it's kind of like they kind of. So set is that a path. test that you take when you're in fourth grade? So you're like about ten years old, right? And then. Yep. What does that, like, what does that test even test you on? It tests you. So the thing is like, most kids don't know that this is actually what's happened. I didn't know. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a big test and a test. Yeah. So I took it and I was like, man, if I think back, I should have probably prepared for that a little bit better. But it's a test like math, reading skills, that kind of stuff, comprehension. And then also the evaluation from your teachers because they saw you for four years growing. So that's what you do. And then you get literally a written, a written letter gets mailed to your parents and it's like, we recommend your child goes to this track that um, does not allow them to go to you. you know, yeah. tracks, you mentioned in the pre-chat, but these tracks are very, your trajectory in terms of your life success or like your accomplishments will be very different based on which track you're placed in at age of like 10, right? So Correct. can you describe what these tracks are? So there's like, if you get into the highest scoring track, you get 12 years of schooling total. If you get in the lowest one, you only get nine years. So missing three years of schooling. Like, and, so you're not completing high school technically. And for the lowest track, they're already assuming that you're never going to go to university. Correct. Right. So I was placed in the lowest track. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was against it, but that I was like, okay. So what happened is like, my mom was like, that's not right. And teachers, I literally, the teacher told me and my parent, my mom for fought for me. So shout out to my mom. Shout out yeah. to mom. Um, and they were like, yeah, Marker's not going to make it too much. So like, let's sit. I mean, he's there. already past his prime. He's 10. Uh, you guys should have at age prepared him better, but yeah, it didn't really work out. Sorry about that. Try again next life. Yeah. And then, so like my mom was like, that's not right. I want to like challenge this decision. And so you could actually do that. And then I went to like, I think three weeks later, I went to this other place where I had, could retake the test, but the test was a dif- different. I mean, this is all back when, like 19, middle of the 80s, 90s, right? So it's like, I don't know how the system is now. And that's how it was for me. Yeah. And so I retook the test and that test was different than in my school. And I was like, that's not that hard. And so yeah. I solved all the math challenges and all the reading assignments and actually passed and yeah. was like scoring in the, in the higher percentiles than way higher, way different results, yeah. right? And yeah. my mom was like, see... I was told like, you. told you, maybe it has some <laughs> difference. So then they allowed me to go into like this middle track, which allows you to go to your university or go into one of these apprenticeships yeah. if I wanted to and add some more schooling to it. But it gave me options. So yeah. I was like, nice compromise. My mom was happy. I was like, went yeah. to that school. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so how, how are you taking the, you know, now that you have gone through that, I know you, you were self-taught engineer, you, you know, you learned through discovery, even though you studied public policy and things like yep. that. You got your master's in that. How are you thinking about apprenticeships when it comes to Firehouse Project? Gotcha. So, I mean, if I'm looking at like Germany, right, an apprenticeship, like in Germany or in Europe in general, the apprenticeship program is really strong. If you're looking at the U.S., we don't really have that here. It's like there's not really that like apprenticeship program. So what happened, it's coming up now, which is a great thing. But what happened in, in Germany is like if you want to be a plumber, if you want to be an electrician, you go to a business and you say, hey, I want to, do you have an open apprenticeship shop? A position right and they're like yeah we do we always hire two three each year and they don't pay you that much but they teach you and you also get schooling with it right so rather than getting schooling on like math and and english and german you're getting schooling on like hey here's how to how electricity works here's how woodworking works mm-hmm. right? and they're on the theory behind that for your craft and so you kind of specialize in that when you're like 16 17 18 that's usually when you do the apprenticeship role then afterwards they either hire you and you get a job and you do that more or you look for another company but that's like it's like a stamp that you have like you're a certified electrician you're certified like what worker carpenter whatever it is Mm -hmm. interesting awesome awesome and so um you know what 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 should we expect from firehouse project in the next few years oh that's a great question so we have a lot coming up we're like obviously always building new curriculum so just recently we launched our advanced programming track always trying to stay on top of the industry strength trends that we're seeing and so that includes anything like additional algorithms, um, where computer science fundamentals, like we have like React.js, Node.js, Angular 4, it just came out. We have a course on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what our graduate uh, programs right now that mm-hmm. our current students can take. Mm-hmm. We're building a new platform out right now that again incorporates the smart learning, mm-hmm. um, personal and smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're launching that probably 
this year. The first um, first beta students already going through. Awesome. So that's coming out. And then the the other thing that is like we got to get way better of using technology to, and that's like for the entire industry mm-hmm. of making education smart and using yeah. it the right way. What I'm seeing right now across the industry is like, yeah, I'm using video, I'm using text, and I'm giving you that, but we're not changing the way we're actually giving it to the individual learners is like not everyone learns the same mm-hmm. so we're working on getting a model up where i mentioned that before rather than one path one size fits all it's like you come in and we have like a tree going through the program that's like we have between five and five thousand different ways of how you can progress through our program mm-hmm. yeah and we check you at every point and track your performance so we're working really hard on that right now that's huge um, that's, that's very interesting yeah. that's something i'm super super passionate about as well because like to your point like everybody you know teamwork learns differently than i learn and vice versa and you know having something that can learn based off of that information is key so yeah uh, definitely and um, in terms of your students, uh, where would you say the majority of them come from? Do they all come from the United States or, and like, maybe you can name some of the countries that they come from. Gotcha. So I'd say like, definitely the US, we're based here, Europe as well, UK. And then we have like Canada as really strong, Australia as well. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, yesterday with somebody signed up from the Bahamas, right? Oh, nice. Which is great. I talked to people in Africa, I gave them a yeah. career advice, which is, I lived in Africa too for yeah. a while. So it was like, it was interesting yeah. getting back to those roots. But yeah, I'd say mostly English-speaking countries and, and that's like Australia, U.S., Canada. Yeah. The, the other thing we didn't cover either was like you have multiple prices, right? That's correct. So there's, how's it structured in that regard? It's structured like first is like two weeks are free. That's uh-huh. our prep course. Yeah. We review all your code. If yep. you pass those challenges and we give you the thumbs up, we accept you into the full program. Yeah. So everyone is listening, like sign up for our free stuff. Yeah. Build a portfolio yeah. page, go through, solve some Ruby challenges, get code feedback, you know, yeah. get in that trend of like, hey, I'm getting reviewed. I'm getting my feedback on how I can improve. That's really mm-hmm. important as a developer. Yeah. And then the full program, um, you can choose. It's like, if you want to do a 22-week program, and it's usually between 25, 35 hours a week. Yeah. Some people do that while holding their jobs. Other, yeah. time, other people like quit their jobs and do it full-time. Yeah. That's $6,500. Yeah. And it comes with the mentorship sessions, all the support you need. Yeah. And then the other one is 44 weeks, and that's between 10 and 15 hours a week of yeah. time. And that's like $8,500. Yeah. Again, comes yeah. mentorship sessions, all the support yeah. you need. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And there was one thing that I want to say about that. For people that... Uh, want to take advantage of the scholarship situation, There's they have to be based in LA, correct? For that okay. scholarship, yeah. They okay. have to be based in LA. And that's like, they have to work with our nonprofit partners on the ground mm-hmm. and apply for that. And, okay. But they can reach out to us as well and yeah. we can point them to the right place if they're yeah. based in the LA area. Yeah. And um, one last question before we jump into the lightning round. So I know in San Francisco and places like New York, the tech ecosystem was pretty much built up in terms of the pipeline of people going to coding boot camps and then finding jobs at startups, maybe without a computer science degree. So they just kind of evaluate you based on what you can do, not what it says on paper. If you're trying to break into tech, let's say our listeners in Bahamas, like you just mentioned, once they do acquire the skill, can they find work in that city? Or is the hope that they'll work remotely with a company in the States or in a, a company in SF? Or how does that usually pan out for your students? Gosh, it depends what they want, right? So if we're just looking, let's look at Bahamas is a tough example because yeah. I'm not an expert <laughs> on the tech market in the Bahamas yeah. right now since that just happened yesterday. But if you're looking at the US or Canada or Europe um, and Australia, I can talk a lot more about mm-hmm. that. So most students are like, if they want to stay in their community, like in their city, they look for, for jobs in their location mm-hmm. where they already are, be it like somewhere in the Midwest, be it on the like East Coast, West Coast. But a lot of people also want to work remote. So they apply for remote jobs. And what I said before is like, hey, they already can prove that they can work remote because they actually worked already with mm-hmm. a, a team. While in our program, we have an agile team project that lasts eight weeks. And now really is like something that we take really serious here is yeah. like actually looking at how do how is software built in the real world and it's built by amazing teams so you knowing that you you're able to demonstrate that you can be part of such a team and hit the ground running from day one is like what we consider this is a high impact employee and that's what our hiring managers are telling us this is what our cto's tell us you need to have those skills so we do that and that prepares you really well for remote jobs as well yeah that's yeah. really cool one more question before the lightning round I thought about it. I know you have the free program to prep. You have yep. the immersive program. Is there a specific days of the week and hours of the day that you have to do it? 
or since it's personalized, do you can you do it at your own pace you can do during it at that time pace. period? Yep. So it doesn't have to be a specific day. No, we see people coding like the people who have work, they, they wake up at five, six, code yeah. a few hours before work. They yeah. go home and have dinner and code a little more. And people who are like have different shifts, they might code all morning and then yeah. in the afternoon they work. So that's like, you can do it on your own time. It's really flexible. Great. I think that's really great. So you can schedule your mentorship sessions. When we match you with a mentor, we not only take into consideration how well you performed in our prep mm-hmm. course yeah. and what your goals are and what your background is. We check all that. We also yeah. take into consideration time zones and when you're available. So we yeah. ask all that information from yeah. students and then we do personalized mentor matching too yeah. to make sure you have the, like, this is our matchmaking service. We're yeah. always joking with the team where it's yeah. like, hey, you know, like, <laughs> I think we really like working with yeah. with him or with her. And it's like, yeah. I'm figuring that out. And so, yeah, you can schedule your time flexible with your mentor. Yeah. And then we have office hours. That's pretty much the only thing that's kind of like fixed time. Yeah. That's not flexible because we're like have to have it at a certain time. But we always record that and share that with everyone yeah. else. No, I think that's huge just because um, I mean, before going to the landing room, I'm going to be speaking at like, you know, we talked about diversity, racially, gender wise, sexuality, Absolutely. disabilities. But there's also some people that might have religious restrictions from like certain days that when they might not be able to do things. Absolutely. And I'm being I'm going to be speaking at a big religious conference where certain days are not available. And so it's cool that your project can uh, reach them. So, yeah, I'll make sure that they hear about what you got going on. Awesome. Love yeah. it. Awesome. So at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round. And this is where we're looking more for actionable advice, like steps, resources, strategies that you've used to get to where you are today. So that with that said, Ruben, take it away. Yeah. So whenever you're like coding on your own, what routines or music do you listen to that kind of gets you in your zone to like power through a whole weekend coding 12 hours straight? Got it. So I have my Bose headphones on. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best purchases I think (laughs) that I made. Have them on. And then I usually listen on a playlist on repeat or Mm -hmm. several single songs. And I do that. Usually I listen to that for like months on end. So it gets pretty boring. What's your favorite song? Um, right now I listen to a play- playlist called, what's it called? I know it on my Spotify. I should know that right Sounds now. Good. So I imagine to, I listen to Imagine Dragons okay. album like probably Imagine like, yeah. I don't know, 2000 times. Good stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, so my wife always jokes like, man, you never listen to new music. And I was like, I don't want to <laughs> listen to new music. Cause then I have to, then I actually listen to it. Yeah. And I was like, that's so that. Then there's like some of the like playlists that I found on Spotify that like just have a bunch of that stuff. And so Magic Dragon was big. I listened like, okay, this is embarrassing. I listened to Justin Bieber for a while. I like Justin Bieber. He's grown. He's like, yeah, he's grown. So that <laughs> was like really R&B. weird. He, Cause he's like Spanish now. Like, wow. When you're like, you know, when you're in a, in an office space and you unplug your headphones by mistake and then Justin Bieber <laughs> comes up and everyone turns around that dude. Yeah. I'm that yeah. dude. So yeah. But for me, it's like, it's like, listen to the same song over and over again, being Justin Bieber, being yeah. Imagine Dragons. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I know Timor, whenever he's doing the bachata on the weekend and stuff, so he's, <laughs> he got Despacito playing a full blast. <laughs> hey, started doing salsa lessons recently, so. Let me know. We'll, uh, we'll go out to Cigar Bar. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. So the next question, it's about learning how to code. So you having taught almost a thousand people now, what advice do you have for someone who is listening now, who is thinking of learning how to code? They just kind of feel like there's, there are no where to start because there are so many things they can yep. do right now. What would you say they should do in the first week of them trying to learn how to code? First week, well, besides coming to our free prep course, right, is like get feedback often. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Don't code in isolation. Mm-hmm. So get out there. There's a lot of meetup events. They have project nights, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I was like, I literally walked into a project night. I was working on this one app that I thought was really cool. And I would look around and I would go and be like, okay, who looks like, I didn't know anything. Who's like, who looks like the approachable and knows what they're doing. No, that's not like, I was like, who looks like the nerdiest developer in here. Right. (laughs) And then I would sit next to them and be like, how's it going? And oftentimes that person was sitting by themselves. Right. And I was like, how's it going? I'm Marco introduced myself. And I would say, what are you working on? Awesome. And then usually I would get like something that's completely over my head and I would ask clarifying questions <laughs> and I would basically be like, okay, I didn't understand a lot, right? You just said, but what about this one thing about the database architecture? And then they would explain and I was like, oh, that's a tool that you're building, right? 
And then they would obviously look at me and say, what are you working on? And I was like, well, that's not as exciting as yours. <laughs> but I actually have, I have like this, this one app that they're building. One of the things that I once built was like, I'm, I'm a surfer. I'm big into like um, surfing. So I want to okay. get a tracker onto my surfboard that uh-huh. tracks how many waves I surf and how radical I surf those wow, waves. So I was like building an Arduino prototype with that. Okay. And so it was like <laughs> getting all that data of the Arduino was really hard. And it's like, I was like, this is like one of these things, right? I started out and like sorted the whole thing together, write the code, like for my Arduino and try to analyze the data. And then like, I was at one of these events, project nights for hardware. And I'm like literally there. And I'm like, again, sitting next to the person who was like, I think you're the, you're the nerdiest looking like <laughs> hardware developer. And I, and I'm like, Hey, I have the, and so we're talking and I was like, Hey, I have this problem. Right. And it's like, look, the data isn't coming out and it's giving me this gibberish. I don't know. What am I doing wrong? And he literally looks at it and he goes, have you started turning it on and off? <laughs> it's like, no. So it turns on and off and it worked again. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like an idiot, right? So it's like, that's the other piece of advice. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid of that. I love, 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 love that advice. Don't code in isolation. Because um, a lot of times people will like bang their head against the wall saying they're like trying to figure it out on their own. But there's other people that are trying to learn. You guys can learn from each other. Exactly. And girls can learn from each other. And then I like the piece about sitting next to the person that a lot of people aren't sitting next to uh, because a lot of times they want to talk to you. And even if it's not about coding or whatever it is, and and you can learn from each other and building, it's just friendship. It's like Archer and Timor, like without them, it would have been much different trying to get in. hundred percent agree. I think that's, that's amazing, amazing advice. On the learning together. What we also done is like, we taught a lot of kids how to code. Yeah. And we didn't like simple games that we played with them, right? Yeah. And so what we noticed when we teach kids how to code is like, we oftentimes just had to step back, explain a little bit, step back. And what we noticed is like when there were parents involved, they wanted to do like help out and look over the shoulders. And what we didn't did is like we did one laptop, two or three kids. And all the parents mm-hmm. were like, no, that's not the best. And we're like, well, we're running the class. So yeah. why don't you just sit there and watch? And then what happened is like, you know, for example, like one kid asked me, like, I don't know how to, this was with Scratch, we drag and drop like elements on a, on a screen and then create a program that way. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you need to drag and drop this over. And the one kid who was like, maybe like eight was like, I don't know what drag and drop is. And I was like, okay, so what do you do is it go on the trackpad on the mouse, right? You move your mouse over there, you click and you hold down. And the kid was looking at me, what are you talking about? And the other kid was like grabbing his finger, uh. putting on a trackpad <laughs> and showing you how it's done. Right. And that took like three seconds. And yeah. kid, oh, now I know how to do it. That's and funny. I was like, man, I'm, I'm a grown up. Yeah. I, this is, this is how you teach. You grab yeah. the hand and you show how yeah. it's done. But I didn't. Un- it's like pair program. Exactly. I didn't think about <laughs> grabbing the hand of a little kid and doing that. Right? But the other kid was like intuitively knew that. Right. But and I would so- say too, like, as far as like your point about like taking a step back and, and understanding kids and, and just people in general and how they learn, uh, your story reminded me of, um, I'm a cellist. So I might've said this on the podcast, but I don't know if I did. So I was teaching one of my youngest cello students. He was like five years old and he was playing this scale. And every time he got to the B, he kept playing B, no, C, C sharp. Yep. Um, and no, no, it was definitely, no, B flat. He kept playing B flat. So I was like, it's B natural. So every time he kept coming to it, I was like, B natural. And so he kept doing it wrong, like literally like 10 times. And so I took a step back and I looked at him and every time he got to that note, he would slump his shoulders back. And so he thought I was literally telling him to be natural on that note and realized that I had to interpret it different. So a lot of times you, yep. like, you can't just like force information down somebody's throat and, and it's interesting. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I know there's um, the online project, the prep course that uh, you guys started. What other online resources, blog posts, maybe newsletters, podcasts that you would recommend our listeners listen to when they're just starting out? Gotcha. So I like Code Newbies a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we just had, had the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, Shout out to some Saran. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. We had some of our students go be on their podcast and help out there. I think some of our graduates actually helped build their platform. Oh, wow. Um, Cause we started really early. So like mm-hmm. shout out to Angel. He's like nice, helping nice out there a lot. Um, he's one of our early students. And now he's like running a 30 person engineering team out in LA. Okay. Wow. So that's really good. <laughs> and so like any help, but the code newbies too and helped out nice. there a lot, I think. So it's like, sorry, what was the question? Like uh, online resources, blog posts. Um, totally side yeah. here. Oh, good. Yeah. So code newbies, I like that. I like the keeping it between mixing it up between like being looking at the three foot view and the 10,000 foot view. And so a good book is Learn to Program by Chris Pine. 
Okay. Um, that explains like yeah. how developers think. Another book I'm reading right now and start is like algorithms to live by. It's like, mm. you know, it's like, how do you like what makes sense you could incorporate in your life? And it's just yeah. like a perspective. It's a different perspective that you're getting because everyone's like, oh, HTML, CSS, Ruby, JavaScript. It's like, that's one part, but it's like it's the fundamentals. Know, get to the fundamentals too and the different way of thinking understand how a developer thinks because at the end of the day if you want to break into tech and if you're going to get hired for solving complex problems not that you know javascript that's fair really good like that's part of it but at the end of the day i don't care which programming language you're doing like and we see that with our students like teach them ruby javascript and then they apply for .net the Microsoft stack positions yeah. and they get it or one is an iOS developer mm-hmm. right now because they can transfer these skills mm-hmm. right it's like, hey, I, you know, I learned English in school as my second language and I learned Spanish in school too, but the second language was so much easier for me, yeah. like learning that. So it's like. They understand the concepts. Exactly. And, and how they learn it. and they're very self-aware. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll include the link to the project in the show notes, but what's awesome. the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Gotcha. Um, with me, it's like. You can, if you want, you can email me, marker at thefirewaysproject.com. Cool. Try to get back. Also questions at the Firewaysproject. Project. That's monitored by our team. You can also find me on Twitter at Marco Marwek mm-hmm. if you want to reach out to me there. That's probably the best way. Yeah, that's really cool. So we'll definitely um, share the information with our listeners. We love what you're doing and we love that you're helping people all over the world, even like refugees, people who are blind and disabled. So we're looking forward to bringing them on our podcast and getting their stories. Because I think the topic of working remote, it's almost like, unless you're doing it, it's some people have like this um, mental block to, to actually think that you can be productive and work remotely and not even like sit next to your coworkers or not even have met your coworkers ever in person, right? But it's possible and it, it opens you up to opportunities to go travel around the world and still make pretty good money that will support your, your living. Uh, so... Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, on that note, our entire development team in the Fires Project is remote. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them are our own students that we hired our graduates. That's amazing. So, I love that. So yeah. they all work in remote out of the U.S., small towns, big towns, but it works. So yeah. if you like the platform that we have built, that's what our students have built. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. For thanks a lot, Marco. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.